just before we get going on this week's episode, I just want to say little bit of a disclaimer this film that we're going to be talking about this week is extremely racist if you feel like this may offend you or cause shock or anything like that it's probably worth skipping to be honest and i will see you next time for the next episode for those of you who want to stick around welcome to the anyone for seconds podcast Hello, greetings, salutations, welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I'm your host, Dave. How are we all? I'm going to be extremely upfront about this one. I'm a tad nervous about this. This film is very controversial. Extremely controversial. You could argue that I'm not really the right person to be covering it. Either way, I'm going to do it anyway. What is the film that's causing me to be so nervous? Well, it's 1977's Fight for Your Life. You've got more guts than your old man. I'm not afraid of you, Kane. You want to hang me, you go right ahead. Give me a sticker for that pink pig. It's only the beginning. Now it's our turn. Kane, that ain't no way to thank Aunt Jemima for all that hospitality. My daughter sends her regards. Fight for your life. A gut-punching flick. Join the thousands who have stood up to cheer the brother who taught America the meaning of the word courage. Fight for your life. Rated R in a theater near you. If you haven't tuned out by now, then I congratulate you wholeheartedly. Let's jump into a context dump to try and make great sense of this. Unsurprisingly, there isn't a great deal of information about this film online, so this is going to be a very scattershot context dump. I apologize in advance. Fight for Your Life is an exploitation action film directed, edited and produced by Robert A. Endelson. There's two things to note here. Endelson only has two credits to his name. This film and another called The Filthy Show in Town. Another piece of information I stumbled across was that Endelson is now a dentist in upstate New York. I've got no idea if he's still alive or even if he's still working as a dentist. If anyone who listens who's in upstate New York fancies letting me know, I'll be extremely curious. The film stars a young William Sanderson, best known for his work as J.F. Sebastian in Blade Runner. I'm lost. Don't worry, I won't hurt you. What's your name? Chris. Mine's J.F. Sebastian. Hi. Hi. We scared each other pretty good, didn't we? We sure did. <laughs> I'm hungry, J.F. I got stuff inside. You want to come in? I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> E.B. Farnham in TV series Deadwood and Sheriff Bud Dearborn in True Blood. Fight for Your Life also goes by various other names, because of course it does, it's a 1970s exploitation film. These include Bloodbath at 1313 Fury Road, Getting Even, Held Hostage, I Hate Your Guts, Staying Alive, and finally, The Hostage's Bloody Revenge. For his advertising campaign, two trailers were released. One version was catered towards white audiences, in quotation marks, while another was catered towards Again, quotation mark, black audiences. What's more interesting, however, is that this film is a certified video nasty. In the UK, it was actually refused a classification from the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification, in 1981 for a cinema release. 
the film was very, very briefly available on VHS via independent label Vision On, released around 1982 or so. However, with the introduction of the Video Recording Acts of 1984, meaning that films and home media would become more regulated and would have to be given a certificate by the BBFC in order to be consoled to consumers. The film was successfully prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act, meaning that it would become illegal to supply or distribute the film to the public. It became known as one of the DPP-72, and inevitably became a video nasty. It was only on the list of quote-unquote video nasties to be outlawed due to its language as opposed to graphic violence, more specifically the racist vitriol spewed by William Sanderson's character in the film. The film hasn't been seen in the UK since, but in 2004 there was a lovely Blue Underground DVD release of the film in the United States, which is the version I will be watching today. Sadly, the film's original negative was destroyed during Hurricane Sandy in 2012, as it was being held by the film's rights holders in a New Jersey basement. Understandably, there isn't a score for this on Rotten Tomatoes or Meta Score on Metacritic. So instead, we're going to be looking at audience score from IMDb.com, which is currently rated a 6.3 out of 10. If you want to know a bit more about this film, there's an excellent 40th anniversary retrospective interview with William Sanderson and Robert Endelson, which I will include in the episode's liner notes, should you want to read a little bit more into this film by people who were actually there. Well, I guess we need a synopsis now. Hey look, imdb.com. This is courtesy of Sajit Arvama. I hope I've got that name right. I apologise if I haven't. A mean, trashy exploitation picture about three convicts who escape from jail and hole up at the house of a black minister. There are a few nasty scenes where the minister's family is being repeatedly terrorised by the thugs. In the end, the minister turns the tables on the three convicts and gives them their just desserts. Cheers, Sergip. Now that we have some understanding of this film, I guess it's time to ask anyone for seconds. Let's just wind the watch along now and find out what the hell is going on. Here we go. Fight for your life. Now this is one of those films that I've wanted to see for a really, really long time. And I don't honestly know why. I don't know if it's the cover work I don't know if it's the notoriety of because it's technically a video nasty of some sorts I don't really know to be honest I'm very very curious to see like how it goes and to be fair I'm I'm cautiously saying I'm looking forward to it is an odd statement I'm going to admit given this film is going to be hugely racist <laughs> um yeah so i think what it is is from an early age i've wanted to see it because of the notoriety as i've already said i've only ever seen that one kind of image from the film of the two guys on the front cover kind of fighting i always thought it was like a, a cage fighting film or something but actually looking into it it's like home invasion kind of thing so it's going to be interesting to see how they go about that I say interesting I mean this is 1977 in the height of black exploitation and exploitation cinema it's going to be following on from things like 
last house on the left and things like that so it's going to be quite a, a curiosity shall we say to see what what happens and obviously with Robert A. Anderson as well effectively making two films this one and uh, the other film I mentioned in the context dump why why did he give up like cinema and stuff is it is it because of this film or is it because he you know he's an incompetent filmmaker or whatever I don't know so already we've got our set up there's an accident on the freeway our three lovely prisoners have managed to escape out the back of a police van which was secured with one lock I might add one lock <laughs> and now we've had um, we're now gone to prison to go and talk to cellmates I guess um, yeah I mean aesthetically so far it's very 1970s from kind of the car that's been stolen to a lot of the outfits kind of the disco uh, groove in the background that's got going on so far it, it, it seems okay um, I imagine things are going to get worse because of course they are <laughs> I mean there was a shot earlier on to be fair where there was a guy just sort of facing a store door and you could clearly tell that he was going ready set action but they hadn't cut either side of the scene so it looks really weird Again, so far, it is very last house on the left, and the way that film is set up is that you've got kind of the two or three separate stories of, in this case, our our family here that are ready to presumably be invaded by these crooks, and then the other side of the story is setting up the crooks as evil, so so evil. So it's kind of that interesting parallel so far, but with this you've got the added thing of the cops as well, which aren't played out for comedic effect like it is in Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left, the sheriff and his deputy are basically bumbling idiots and they kind of play it off for laughs. Which is really quite jarring, to be fair. As much as I love that film, and it is like one of my favourite films, it's very, very jarring and very odd. But with this, it's so far, it's all been played off pretty straight, as as is kind of intended, to be honest. Um, like I say, we're approaching about, like I say, fifteen minutes. Not really a lot's happened. I mean. You've got the three guys that broke out of the back of the, the van. They're um, kind of... They've robbed out a, a station as well, like a gas station. They've stabbed the attendant. Right now, we've got on screen at the moment... Uh, one of the... We've got... Basically, we've got an interracial love scene, which I guess during the 19... The 1970s would have been quite uh, boundary pushing for the time. I want to say, you know, but 
I mean, in this modern day and age, it's it's not really. It's kind of the norm, to be honest, and it's it's not as it's not taboo at all. There's there's really not been anything too egregious so far. I mean, it's been really nicely shot, I guess, in kind of a kind of grindhouse, your typical 1970s, late 70s, low, low budget kind of exploitation film. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying it, because like I say, it's given me those big Last House on the Left vibes, and I do love that film. But I imagine as the atrocity, we get into the atrocities later on in the film, it's going to be much, much worse. But, um, yeah. Good lord, he's licking her lips and her chin while, while they're making love. That's, um... Yeah. Okay. Our man here is pointing a loaded gun at a child. He's pointed a loaded gun at a child. He tried to shoot the baby. That's... That's how you know he's evil. He tried to shoot a baby. After he shot the clerk at the store. Evil. Truly evil. He tried to shoot a baby. Terrible. Here we go. And um, we've just had the group, after they've just robbed the store, tried to shoot a baby. He, They've now kidnapped one of the women from the family. And presumably now they're going to go hole up at the uh, at the farm, presumably, unless it's going to go all really really weird and they're going to go to the woods and whatever. I don't know. Okay, so we've just had a rather protracted scene of the three delinquents who have escaped from the jail have now holed up in the home of the pastor of the Turners and we've had a very very long protracted scene of him our main guy there Jesse King played by William Sanderson basically antagonizing this family just, just racially abusing them and I'm not gonna lie it was it was getting to me, um, which I guess is kind of the intended kind of one way you could read this film is it's like a commentary of like racism in America and and things like that. But hearing him spout all of that kind of racist abuse towards this poor family that haven't done anything wrong, just kind of like. It really, really offended me. I'm not going to lie. Speaking as, you know, uh, you know, cisgendered white boy, you know, um, given this is like over 40 years old, it just goes to show that it can still be shocking and impact you, you know. Oh, dear. So here's the thing, right? 
because of all of the horrible racial like slurs and stuff he's been th uh, these guys have been throwing at this poor family it, they've managed to make the so I'm going to go back and compare to Last House on the Left again Krug and company are absolutely horrendous they they killed the girls um, you know they they hold them hostage and rape them and kill them and stuff but these guys in this led by like this Jesse King character are wholly more unlikable because they are being so horrible not just physically but emotionally torturing them as well with you know with the uh, with the racial aggression and, and things like that it's kind of rooted back into I don't want to say it's like white guilt for me I guess it kind of is in a way given history so this is fucking weird right here. We've got the neighbour who's come to investigate because she tried to call the family and they've cut the um, phone line. She's she's now running through the woods being stripped naked by our aggressor. I'm assuming he's either going to kill her or he's going to rape her or... I'm assuming... Don't know. As is the way for these exploitation films, I fully expect him to rape her. But but we'll see. No, he's just gonna shove her off the edge and oh it's a dolly going down a waterfall. Oh okay. Alright, I didn't actually see that coming. Um as is the norm for these kind of films like home invasions and exploitation cinema and stuff normally that plays quite a large role but seemingly not yet thankfully but again it's early days so we will see not that I'm really looking forward to that because it's always horrific when it happens I'm going to admit right for a late 70s film exploitation where the majority of the acting is somewhat ropey the cast in this aren't bad <laughs> they're not wooden there's there is a palpable tension between them all um it's they're absolutely fine william sanderson is on point you know Shouting, swearing, being demonic. Robert Judd, who plays our uh, pastor character, the head of the family, he is really, really good. He kind of brings it all with a certain level of gravitas, but without kind of overacting and such as well. Even, like, the, the wife of the pastor. I honestly don't think I got their names earlier. I do apologise in advance. 
But um, yeah, they're really, really solid. It's a shame that the material they've got is pretty um, ropey. We say ropey, we mean highly offensive and and whatnot. It's a, it's not awful. Not as bad as I was expecting. I mean, our uh, other two henchmen here have a tendency to go over the top, but our main two leads, though, they're pretty solid. Um, the other thing that's staggering to me at the moment is how on earth did they get a load of black actors to agree to not only be in this, but also kind of, you know, portray this family that's kind of been taken hostage in this situation while being racially abused. I, it kind of finding it hard to believe that, you know, a family... Sorry, that was just a bit jarring there. He was beating them. The guy, Kane, was beating Turner with a Bible. It was, um, looked weird. Um, yeah, I still find it kind of hard to believe that they could get a family to, like, a load of black actors to, to play these roles. But then I suppose money is a wonderful thing. And obviously if the if the onset camaraderie was, was that good and they knew it was just a film and it was fake, then, you know... Fair play. Oh, Granny laying on the sick burns there. Here's another thing as well I've noticed, right, is this was put down as a video nasty, understandably for its racial language. Um, nobody ever seemed to comment on the fact that this is actually really quite violent and quite horrific once you get past the you know, the, the racial abuse and the racial hatred between these characters. I mean, the guy, he was stabbed repeatedly at the gas station at the start. It was quite bloody and horrific. We've just had a body now of a child that's had his head bludgeoned in with a rock. You know, and then you've got the, the eldest daughter of the family who's just been raped three times in a row by these convicts, you know? Nobody ever really talks about that. They talk about the absolute abuse, like the racial abuse and stuff. Nobody ever talks about anything else. I mean, to be fair, well, not even to be fair, I don't really know how I feel about it, to be honest. Sure, they do talk about it in kind of terms of, like I say, it's really, really racially motivated and stuff like that. But also, this look, there is now a cop who's just walked up a hill carrying the body of a child who's had his head bludgeoned in with the rock. And that 
child murder, for God's sake, you know, it's just, it's mad, it is absolutely mad, but nobody has ever commented kind of how violent and graphic this film is, you know, again, going back to the other film of the era being Last House on the Left, it's very, very similar, but obviously without kind of the, the racial motivations underneath there, and people lord that as being absolutely horrific and horrifying and and how violent it is, but nobody, you know, speaking about it on the same breadth as this, because this is, this is pretty intense, I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Dog's peed on his head. <laughs> Damn straight, he had that coming. Fucking racist piece of shit. I've got a really funny feeling the ending of this is going to be unexpected and horrible because they're a black family and now the police are telling them to come out. I've got a really horrible feeling that his family's going to get killed at the end of this. Really horrible feeling. I hope that's not the case. Oh, shit. She's going to cut his dick off with the carving tool, I hope. Please carve his dick off. Granny's just watching, nodding with approval. Please cut his dick off. Cut his dick off. Come on, girl. Cut his dick off. Oh! Okay, sh shot the other guy in the dick instead. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Wow. She didn't get a just revenge like cutting his dick off yet. But he shot him in the dick. The other guy. Turner shot the other guy in the dick. No, I don't hear a thing. Oh, okay. Interesting, okay. I thought they were going to storm the place, but after listening on his long-range radio, his old uh, town picker-upper thingy. Wow, okay. That was unexpected. Wow. Wow. Shot him in the throat. Wow. That was, um... Wow. Um... Wow. <laughs> okay, that was... That was pretty powerful ending there. Kind of a showdown between Turner and Kane. Saying, why are you... Are you a real man? Shoot me. Oh wow, okay, that was fucking powerful. Um, okay. 
I'm probably going to need a couple of minutes just to kind of arrange my thoughts before we come back again in a few minutes. So, um, yeah. I'll uh, see you in a bit, peeps. Wow. This movie was an absolute ride. It's shocking, it's vile, it's utterly repulsive, and yet I couldn't stop watching it. Our main leads were absolutely spellbinding, if that's even possible in an exploitation film. Will Sonson is perfectly cast as the evil Jesse Kane. He brings a manic energy that filters dramatically into his performance, spitting vile rhetoric at the Turner family while maintaining a foreboding presence. Robert Judd as Ted Turner brings the sympathy and you can feel that absolute horror him and his family have been put through. Granted, the material isn't particularly good or clever, but they bring a certain verisimilitude to the roles. The locations they look stunning. There's a tremendous amount of production value that's been thrown out of this film, considering it was made with a budget of roughly $35,000 in 1977. It's sickening how nice this looks. The fact it was shot on location in an actual family home gives it a real sense of claustrophobia as well. I think that's probably why I enjoyed it so much, because there's a lot of parallels with Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. The setup is very much the same, You've got escaped convicts invading the home of an unsuspecting family who get terrorised. As much as I love Last House on the Left, this is not just a carbon copy. Fight for Your Life has its own identity, mainly due to its racial undertones. Right, we need to address this now. That's the racism. I absolutely hated it. I was uncomfortable with it. I was offended by it. The in-universe reason for it, if there ever should be a reason, is flimsily explained at the ends of the film. But that does not excuse the use of such slurs. It's unnecessary, it's offensive, and I, I hated it. It's unfortunate that the film is negatively remembered for this, because there is a lot here to like in this film, from the strong performances to the unflinching finale. As I commented in my watch-along, the racial language is more commented on than the other horrors in the film. I mean, one of the convicts batters a boy to death with a rock. On screen... How often have you seen that on film? It seems a shame to judge it solely on the negative aspect of its racist undertones. While I don't approve of its use of racial slurs, to write it off because of it seems maybe a little bit harsh. Again, I don't condone the use of these racial slurs. A more contemporary example of this is maybe the work of Quentin Tarantino, especially Reservoir Dogs. Characters throw around slurs without a care in the world. While that really offended me, there's still more about that particular film to find positives in. That is not, again, to excuse that kind of language, but it is truly abhorrent. On another note, it is a shame that the original film negatives have now been lost to time. Regardless of whether you think this film is great or not, a piece of film history has been lost forever for better or worse. We can't let this happen to films, especially older films that are slowly disappearing. We need to try and preserve it as much as we can, even if it is, you know, an overtly racist shitty film like this. Overall, I surprisingly enjoyed this film. It had got enough slocky B-movie appeal for me to keep me engrossed and entertained. Can I recommend it, though? That's a really tricky one. While, yes, I did like it, the constant barrage of offensive language is going to upset a lot of people, myself included. It is unrelenting. It is unflinching. It doesn't stop. If you can look past that somehow and you're a fan of grindhouse or exploitation cinema, 
you might enjoy it. There's enough kitsch appeal here to appeal to B-movie lovers, offering a different take on the home invasion genre. For the casual viewer, though, you're not going to have a good time with this. Oh, you're not going to like this. Steer it well clear, if you can. But for Grindhouse aficionados, fill your boots. If anything, it does now mean that I can tick off another one of the DPP-72 off my list. 25 down, 47 to go. Thanks so much for listening. Do you agree, disagree? Why don't you get in contact with us? We're over on Twitter as at anyonepodcast. We're on Facebook as well. Just search for us and you will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. We're also on Twitch as now. We do the occasional Twitch stream at twitch.tv forward slash anyonepodcast. Leave us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can be heard by more people. I'm not entirely sure what we're going to leave people with this time. Perhaps we'll leave some, you know, something really nice and happy, you know? I feel like it's just going to be a lovely day. Thanks again. Stay safe. You've got this. When I wake up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes Something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be fine